following is a presentation of Main Street Media, your source for news, sports, and information on Main Street in Middle Tennessee. Thirty years of the best sports talk in Middle Tennessee, featuring Tennessee Radio Hall of Famer George Plaster, Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame coach Watson Brown, and Young Guns Billy Derrick and Michael Sendrick. And now here's your host, George Plaster. again everybody welcome in it's a wednesday it is cold man we have gone from very mild fall to all of a sudden just this nasty cold that apparently is going to be here for more than another week uh, right up until thanksgiving so get ready because if you don't like 40 degree highs I don't know what to tell you other than maybe head toward Florida. <laughs> I've been there before, George. Billy, I know Watson Brown's going to join us later in the show. How are you? I'm doing good, George. No Watson today, but we got we got Terry, we got Clark Lee coming up. Uh, yeah. We got Brent Zwarneman as well. So a lot of football. Oh, we've got it. And George, we only have two more weeks of college football left. That's kind of sad. Yeah, to think don't about. go that far. At least the regular season. Yeah, but. I mean we've got championship week. We've got bowls out the wazoo. Maction. Oh I mean, well, I mean, what more plenty, needs to be said? Plenty so of action. They had a snow ending last night up in Toledo, didn't they? Yeah, they did. I, I didn't. I saw the in play. Uh, I think you were watching the game, George. But uh, there were two games last night. Bowling Green ended up winning a, a wild finish there. Uh, over Toledo, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. So Toledo, man. a lot of people thought was the best team in that conference. Anyway, I didn't get to see it. I was at the uh, Preds game. Oh, that's right. By the way, Big I'm win. hearing that they're talking two to three feet of snow like Ooh. Thursday night, Friday into Saturday before Buffalo plays host to the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Better bundle up up there. Let's check in with Terry McCormick. He has covered some ice bowl kind of games. Terry, how are you? George, how are you? You were in New England for that Titan playoff game, weren't you? I was. That's the coldest I've ever been in my life. Is it really? Yes. I knew it was going to be bad because we flew into Providence, Rhode Island there, and the airport is right there uh, around a bay. And the uh, water in the bay as we were landing was frozen. And that's salt water, George. And salt water doesn't easily freeze. Not a good sign there, Terry. <laughs> wow. That is, that's strong. So um, I guess we now know officially that Randy Bullock will not be kicking tomorrow night. And instead, it's Josh Lambeau. Uh, you had suggested that yesterday. Talk to me about it. Well, it's interesting that they went ahead and signed Lambeau to the active roster today rather than just leaving him on the practice squad and making him a game-time elevation. Uh, as much as 
it might be a situation where the Titans are in an unenviable spot uh, breaking in a new kicker. At least Josh Lambeau has some familiarity with Craig Aukerman. Uh, he has some familiarity, obviously, around the NFL, having previously kicked the Jacksonville Jaguars. So that is a little bit of a concern, but, you know, certainly if they can get the timing down, it should be okay. A uh, bigger concern that I have about tomorrow night, George, is now the fact that Ben Jones has been ruled out due to a concussion. And that is a big problem because Ben Jones is an absolute stalwart in their offensive line. Oh, there's no doubt about it. He is the leader of that offensive line. He is kind of the glue that holds not only the, the line together, but in some cases, it seems like he holds the entire offense together. So they're going to go probably with Corey Levin at center. And uh, he's played some there before. He's out of uh, the University of Chattanooga. Uh, he's been a backup for most of his career, hasn't gotten many starts, but uh, looks like this will be his opportunity. Terry, let's go back to the field goal thing for a minute. I've got a theory, and I think my side of the theory got a little more juice in it. The Chargers have had to do this exact same thing, and their guy has come in and is like six for six since all of this went down with their injury. I would claim there are a good 10 kickers out there that are not on NFL rosters today who are plenty good enough to go in and knock it dead center. I think you're probably right. You know, the kicking is a funny art. You know, it's sort of like uh, pitching in baseball where just a little bit of a fraction off can turn a guy who is really lights out into a guy who is really struggling uh, and vice versa. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes, you know, because when you have a new element to the equation between the long snapper, the holder, and the field goal kicker, sometimes it takes a little bit of getting used to and a little bit of working to try and figure out, you know, what exactly is the right formula. So it's going to be interesting to see how Josh Lambeau fares in this one, George. But like I said, much like how, you know, you'll see sometimes relief pitchers. They'll have an ERA of seven one year, then the next year they'll have an ERA of one and a half. Who knows? It's Sometimes it's just little adjustments that need to be made. Terry, help me with this. You covered Matt LaFleur when he was the offensive coordinator for Mike Vrabel, and now he's the head coach of the Packers. He's been wildly successful until this year. And then Sunday, uh, when I thought he kind of screwed up late um, and his screw up, I thought sent the game into overtime with the Packers really having made no effort to win it in regulation. Rogers blew up at him and he sort of took it. And then in the press conference blamed himself. Talk to me a little bit about Matt LaFleur and his personality. Matt LaFleur is a guy that, you know, he was only here for one season and, you know, he seemed like one of these kind of boy wonder type coaches that came out of the Rams organization, a uh, disciple of Sean McVay, one of these fast rising guys. And you've seen several of them. Uh, you know, you wondered if just one year as an offensive coordinator, if he was ready to be a head coach. Obviously, what he's done at Green Bay shows that 
he is ready to be a head coach. And it's interesting because when you go coach the Packers, you know that there's going to be a certain amount of massaging of Aaron Rodgers' ego and his personality that you're going to have to do. It's like that with a lot of these veteran quarterbacks and things like that when a new coach comes in. So I guess for the most part, he and Rodgers get along pretty well. But uh, obviously on Sunday when uh, Rodgers felt like that uh, Lafleur had aired, he didn't hesitate to let him know about it. No, he didn't. And uh, I think that would have been better left after the game. But I'm not Aaron Rodgers, and I can't get away with what it is he gets away with. Terry, anything else you want to leave us with? Well, George, I think the Titans, a couple of things. One, they do not have an injury designation on Ryan Tannehill. I don't think that's a big surprise, but that means he definitely will suit up and be the starter here on Thursday night. And then I think there's a chance that Jeffrey Simmons gets to give it a go. He said he was feeling a lot better after staying off that ankle on Sunday. So uh, if you're a Titans fan, keep your fingers crossed that Big Jeff is back and uh, ready to work on that defensive line. Well, the the decision to keep him out of the Denver game and get a win with him not being in there, Terry, that may bode well for tomorrow night at Lambeau because they'll have their hands full. Green Bay's got a little confidence now. They're starting to believe a little bit where that hadn't been the case until last Sunday. No, you're right. And you were talking about all that snow that's headed to Buffalo. Makes you wonder uh, if they're going to get any of that uh, up in Wisconsin tomorrow because uh, it's certainly supposed to be cold. I think temperatures may be in the teens. So uh, Yeah, oh, it'll be lovely. So I just got yeah uh, breaking news on yeah, ESPN. Yeah, got notification. Go ahead, Billy. The Titans have ruled out four starters, including Bud Dupree, Randy Bullock, and Ben Jones uh, for tomorrow's game. Who's the fourth? Uh, in the headline, Amani it Hooker. doesn't say a fourth, but Amani Hooker is the other one. Yeah, Amani Hooker. There's a story. If you had checked TitanInsider.com, George, you would have known that. Well, you know what, Terry? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Terry's ahead of us. Oh, I love it. I love it. He got even. That that was a get even for all the nasty things I've done <laughs> it sure over was. the years. And look at him. Look at how much he enjoyed that. The confidence. Terry, I thought you were a better person than that. To lower your No, I'm not. Not, not even close. To lower yourself to my level. That is shocking. <laughs> speechless, <laughs> wasn't he? We'll see you tomorrow. Hopefully, uh all right, have a good speechless one. then. <laughs> Love it. Terry McCormick's Daily Titans Update. And it has been brought to you by the Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners. They are proven to be trusted with your most personal asset. The Justin Tucker team, they are Middle Tennessee's most trusted team in realty. Give them a call at 615-906-8458. Also, don't forget about Sumner Funeral and Cremation. They are sharing their family with yours in your time of need. They've got two convenient locations in Gallatin and Hendersonville and also online at Sumner Funeral. Sumner Funeral and Cremation. Traditional, affordable, and dignified. I don't think that Terry knew how to respond. Yeah, he he was speechless there, George. (laughs) (laughs) It was hilarious. Oh, man. George, let's start the update here with uh, the Virginia situation. Of course, they have decided to cancel their game this Saturday. Which Uh, they should have. Yes, and uh, I think we did talk about that off air uh, yesterday. And uh, so Coastal Carolina and Virginia will not be facing off on Saturday. We'll see if that the Virginia Tech game gets played. That's a game that probably should still be played, George, and would probably expect to see that one played. Um, but the killer, George, was 
reportedly aiming at people. So this, you know, this wasn't an accident of any sorts. And I think I heard on SportsCenter this morning that, um, you know, he fired a shot at somebody in their sleep. But I, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, I, so I saw the same thing. It's it, just Watson said it the other day. It's it's pretty tough to even talk about. It, it appears that he went on this trip with the intentions of gunning down this, this, this. And I don't know what that does legally as far as premeditation. I mean, yeah. it sure seems like it is. Whatever the case, this is a pitiful, sad story. Man, your heart just breaks for those people up in Charlottesville when you think about what's going on. It's awful. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's it's gonna, probably going to be talked about for a long time here through, down the stretch of this season. So we'll, we'll continue to kind of keep track of what goes on there. George, next piece of news here, the New Orleans Saints are sticking with Andy Dalton at quarterback. So uh, that is uh, news out of New Orleans coming uh, earlier today. Dalton is their guy. They're, they're, they're sticking with him. Well, I think he's their guy because I don't think – In the short term. Well, I don't think they think Jameis Winston is anywhere near 100%. I think that's got a lot to do with it. But, I mean, let's face it. When you play the Saints right now – Outside of Alvin Kamara, what weapons do they really possess? No one of, that I know of. With Michael Thomas gone on the outside, uh, Taysom Hill would be somewhat of a weapon when you get him in the Wildcat. But really, I mean, it's Kamara and very little else. Yeah, it almost feels like they're kind of slowly deteriorating as a franchise. You know, Sean from, Payton. From the minute Drew Brees retired to then Payton yep. saying, I'm out of here, and everybody thinks he's going to Dallas, but Mike McCarthy may have something to say about that. He sure might. He sure might. George, MLB News, Seattle has traded for Toronto outfielder Teoscar Hernandez, and that's a big pickup. It is. For uh, for the Blue Jays. Because this is a guy that you can pencil in. Well, it's a big, it's or that's, a big that's get for, for Seattle. the Mariners. That's for Seattle, my bad. You can pencil in 25 to 30 homers, 80 to 100 RBIs. Uh, he will... He will do well in Seattle. Now that he ballpark, had a, he had a really good year. Yeah, that ballpark is nowhere near as easy as Toronto. No, that's the one thing that will change is he'll find Seattle to be a little more of a handful as a home stadium. George, next piece here: Bryce Harper is going to undergo surgery on his ulnar collateral ligament on November twenty third. So, not great news. Uh, for the Phillies, but hopefully, at least for their fan base and for that franchise, he's able to recover quickly. Well, first of all, he fought through some tough stuff this year mm -hmm. uh, with with the elbow and 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 wherever that ligament is. And I don't pretend to totally know. I'm not a big Bryce Harper fan. Uh, I've always thought that it was not a coincidence that Washington won a World Series the year after he left. And that said, I admire the fact that he stuck to it this year with his team while he was playing hurt. And I think it paid some dividends. I didn't realize how hurt he was playing. Oh yeah. Man, credit to him to be able yeah, to. Because for the most part, he did nothing but DH. That's right. I mean, he came up with some big, big hits yeah. for the Phillies. So. Sure did. Um, and I've liked the guy. I've always, you know, I'm not, I know a lot of people, not. 
I know a lot of people aren't the biggest Bryce Harper fans, especially if you're a Braves fan, but I've never really had a reason to dislike the guy. So, Oh, I may not either. I mean, if you give me, okay, why <laughs> do you not? I'm just not a big fan. Is it just because he's on the Phillies? or? Oh, good there... Lord, no. No, I didn't like him as a Washington national. Just the antics and um, some of the I'm other just, things. I'm just not a big fan of his. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> George, that's it. That's it? Yeah. That's all we got? That's it for the update. Okay. Well, let me tell you what's going on on the show. We'll be joined in a few moments. Uh, Billy interviewed him earlier today, Vanderbilt football coach Clark Lee. Then we'll get into some analysis, not only of Vandy, but their next opponent, the Florida Gators, who in the last two weeks have found something. And it's something a whole lot better than they were finding before they found this. Then at 5 o'clock, I'm very excited about this, Brent Zwerneman. He is the Houston Chronicle Texas A&M beat writer. He's also the guy that broke the story a year and a half ago at SEC Media Days that Texas and Oklahoma were joining the league. We'll have some fun with him on that. And obviously, we'll talk about Jimbo Fisher and what is his future because I don't know who's noticing, but let me read it to you. Mississippi State beat them 42-24. to Alabama beat them 24-20. to South Carolina beat them 30-24. to Ole Miss beat them 31-28. Florida ripped them at home 41-24. And Auburn, who's not very good, beat them 13-10. A&M has lost six conference games in a row, and they are paying Jimbo Fisher a boatload of money. And who would have ever thought Vanderbilt is closer to being ball eligible than AM at this point in the season? Oh my God. They're three and seven. Vandy's four and six. So that tells wow. you about where they are. Nothing really against Vandy. That's more against uh, the Aggies there. And then Watson will join us. We'll do a tale of the tape of tomorrow night's showdown at Lambeau between the Green Bay Packers and your Tennessee Titans. Stay tuned. This is Main Street Media Television. Buying or selling a home can be a very personal experience. Why not go with the team that receives nearly all of their business from referrals? Clearly a trusted name in real estate. The Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners has sold more than 500 homes in the last seven years. Voted best in Sumner County multiple times. Proven to be trusted with your most personal assets. Call the Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners at 615-906-8458. The Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners. Middle Tennessee's most trusted team in realty. I highly recommend Sumner Funeral and Cremation because of their caring nature and attentiveness to detail. Pre-planning your funeral now will bring you peace of mind and less stress to your loved ones. When the chaos of losing you happens, your family can honor and celebrate your life, knowing things are happening just as you wanted them to. Pre-planning determines the details of your funeral, cemetery services, and can be less expensive. We are honored to serve you and are always here for you in your time of need. Sumner Funeral and Cremation. Traditional. Affordable. Dignified. SumnerFuneral.com Jody Jones Dentistry can handle all your dental needs from the basics to cosmetic procedures, 
All of this in the nicest dental facility I have ever seen. Jody has done it right. They're located conveniently at 55 Music Square East, and for an appointment, it's simple. Dial 615-259-5100 and tell them Plaz sent you. When you're thinking about golf, consider Riverside Golf Links. Under new ownership, the course has improved dramatically. It's now 27 holes, complemented by a nine-hole executive course. Book a tee time now at 615-847-5074 and get ready to enjoy the beauty of golf in the Old Hickory area at Riverside Golf Links. I'm Bart Durham. I was sworn in as a lawyer in 1963, and I've been working as a lawyer since then. We're a firm that does exclusively personal injury, a lot of tractor-trailer crashes. Insurance companies will open up their checkbooks when you force them to. We have systems that work. We get the most money for our clients in the shortest amount of time. I'm Blair Durham. My dad and I want to help. Give us a call at 615-242-9000. This is Eric Barner with Rock Hassle Wealth Advisors. I help people in the pursuit of making their money live as long as they do. People hire me because I use a customized, individualized, and personal approach for the person I'm working with. Everyone's situation is different. If you've lost a spouse or a parent and want to make sure your inheritance is utilized and does not just disappear, I can help with that. Call me at 615-235-1058 or email eric at rockcastlewealth.com. So most of you know Vanderbilt snapped a long SEC losing streak Saturday at Kentucky. This one caught a lot of people uh, by surprise, including me. Uh, there's a little bit of what in the world is going on at Kentucky, but good for Vandy that they're able to get this win, and now the focus turns to the rapidly improving Florida Gators. An 11 o'clock in the morning game on Saturday, Earlier today, Billy Derrick caught up with Coach Clark Lee. Coach, you get a big win in Lexington, 24-21 uh, over the Wildcats. Uh, Going to try not to make it too much uh, about that game, but um, first I got to ask, uh, how's how's the team feeling, at least health-wise? How are you feeling? Are you, are you guys feeling a little bit better after, after last week? We are, yeah. We've had, um, obviously, this time of year, you're always going to have injuries that linger, and we came out of the game relatively healthy, which was good. Um, and obviously, I think the, the, the good result was a, a nice boost for us and, you know, something that we, we want to do more of, celebrating big wins, you know, in the locker room afterwards. And that's something that we want to get back to. So all is well. Coach, emotions were high after the game. Uh, how, how do you quantify what a win like that means for your program and 
uh, especially after everything you guys went through last week, to be able to go up there and get a win, just kind of, how do you quantify that, the meaning of that? You know, I, honestly, I, I, the emotions for me had less to do with any kind of external feelings or, um, or validation, and, and it was just more about you, you care about a group of people and you put a lot into it. There's a lot of love and investment and sacrifice that goes into these weeks, and you know, we've called this team into the fight every week, and they've followed us and um, have continued to improve and continue to show resilience and a commitment and a belief in what we're building. And just to see them rewarded for that, um, it it felt amazing. You know, it was a, it was a great moment for this program early in. Um, you know, we were clear afterwards to say that uh, we were going to celebrate it the right way, but also that you know we expect many more of these moving forward and. Um, the first one's special, but um, you know, as as this program builds to the vision we have for it, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about sustained success in this conference. And um, you know, last Saturday was a first step. It was a gateway through which we step and then look to level up moving forward. But um, one that was special to all of those in, involved. Coach, up on the wall behind us here, we've got uh, dominate the red zone, and that was one of the things you guys were really able to do, especially defensively. Um, would you say that was a huge part of the game when Kentucky was able to get into the red zone? You gave up three in, instead of six most times. Yeah, it's um, it's we, we talk all the time about the battle for points, and you know we, we always say each possession um, there's there's seven points available, and when the um, you know when you force field goals on defense, you you win the possession four to three, um, and that's that's how we see it, and. This year, we've we've too often allowed explosive touchdowns, or you know, kind of like the dam's broken and the water's kind of flooded through at the end of drives. You know, it was great to see us take stands there and and um, enforced field goal attempts. And you know, that'll be a formula for us from here until whenever I'm finished. Is you know, just um, you know, trying to make an, an opponent go the long hard way. Um, you know, building to the stop and understanding that you know, field goal attempts or wins for the defense. You mentioned building to the stop. Uh, you got to believe you guys are building a little bit of an identity on offense, especially on the ground uh, with what the, the offensive line and Coach Blazek have been able to do. Mike Wright and Ray Davis both go over 100 yards apiece. Um, so what did you like most about what you guys were able to get done in the run game um, and how that kind of elevated the offense a little bit? Well, we, we established space for the ball carrier. I thought we established a physical presence at the line of scrimmage. And when we've, when we've gotten our run game going, we've been able to, to uh, get rhythm on offense. So you get into third, uh, convertible third downs, and uh, you stay on schedule, and um, it kind of everything else clicks into place. You know, um, I thought Mike did a nice job of getting the ball on the perimeter as well, which was an issue earlier in the year. So we were able to stretch the defense horizontally and then puncture vertically in the run game. It was, um, you know, it had good balance, and that's going to be a formula for us. Obviously, the more we maintain possession of the ball, the more we can control the game with our offense, which is going to be a part of our formula. Coach, I want to ask you about your defensive strategy, of course, with your defensive coaches. 30 seconds left. Kentucky still has a chance to either tie or take the lead there. Uh, first play, I think you brought three, uh, and then you added a couple more guys there on second and third down and even fourth down. What, what was the goal there? What did, you, what did you guys want to do there on that defensive possession, the last defensive possession, to really limit Kentucky from getting anywhere close to a field goal? Well, we felt like the four-man rush was important. You know, I think when you drop eight, you, you give 
time and space to the opponent. And there's certainly times to do that. I think if that's a two possession game or an eight point game, you're, you're probably a little more willing to play, um, you know, just keep the line side in front early in the possession. But, you know, we felt like we needed to try to shorten the downs and create some pressure. We had gotten pressure throughout the day on the quarterback and he's too good to give him time to sit back and pick you apart. And so, um, you know, so we, we added the fourth rusher and, and I thought the structure behind the rush was really good and sound and uh, it made it hard on them to, to find space and that's the point. And, you know, those are lessons learned from this year, but certainly you can go back to the South Carolina game a year ago where we faltered in a two minute drive defensively and, you know, had some, you know, some um, really healthy conversations about what the combination is of coverage and rush that we need to be successful. Coach, uh, obviously this is your first time uh, trying to regather the locker room after a big time SEC win, first SEC win for you. Uh, you guys have done it before against non-conference teams, but what's the challenge there? Is that a new challenge for you guys? How are you guys approaching that this week? I think at this point in the year, it's, it's all so rhythmic. I mean, we don't, you know, I, again, I, I don't feel any different right now than I did a week ago. It's, you know, this is a, a, a part of a bigger journey. We certainly didn't arrive um, Saturday. You know, we had a, a positive event, and certainly what we feel like is, um, again, signs of progress, which we, we want to celebrate, but um, this is still about, again, the big picture journey and the mission that we're on. And so, um, you know, we, we, we've developed this rhythm each week where, you know, uh, Monday's our chance to unpack the prior game. Once we get to Tuesday, it's all focused on the next opponent, and we have ways of measuring the energy and the output on practice to make sure that we're uh, not letting anything linger from the week prior. I feel good about the early work here towards Florida, um, but obviously we're going to need to finish our preparation to give ourselves the best chance we can to win on Saturday. Coach, at the quarterback position, of course, Mike Wright played in the Kentucky game and, and ended up winning the game uh, for you guys helping lead, lead to that victory. What's the approach this week, of course, with A.J. Swan's status? Uh, you know, you said he's questionable. Um, what, what's the approach there this week? Well, we got to see, you know, what A.J. can get back for and what, what his availability is. You know, if he's available to play on Saturday, great. And then, you know, what, what has been the week, the, the body of work through the week that uh, informs us of whether or not he's ready to help us win a game. You know, we want to be fair to AJ and fair to the offense and certainly fair to Mike Wright, who has proven himself more than capable and um, did a great job of leading this team to victory last week and on the road. And so either way, we've got a, a good a good player behind center and, and we have confidence that they can do um, what what's needed to, to put our team in a good position. Florida's playing good football right now, Coach. Uh, they, they went on went uh, and, and dominated South Carolina at home. Uh, so what, what challenges do they present, especially with the way they have been able to run the football? Yeah, physical run game on offense. You know, obviously it, it's, uh, it goes through the quarterback. He's, he's a, a big, skilled athlete that has a really strong arm and can make you pay uh, getting the ball over the top. But obviously he also adds a component to their run game that's, that's, um, that's dangerous. Um, anytime you're talking about the quarterback running the ball, you're talking about having to play within a structure and having to have all 11 guys um, executing their responsibility, and that'll be important. Um, the, the guys he hands the ball off to are also very capable and create explosive plays for that team last Saturday against South Carolina. Um, you know, it's a good offense, and it's an offense, I think, that's found an identity and that um, has, has a lot of confidence in who they are. Um, you know, defensively, this team is a, a team that's disruptive, and they've forced a lot of turnovers, and 
Um, they, they, they're simple in their structure, but they play hard. And again, they disrupt the ball. And so, you know, our, our formula is going to have to be no self-inflicted wounds. we got to protect the football on offense and then certainly play within our structure on defense to give our team the chance to win. Coach, I don't think we'll be seeing any snow on Saturday. What, what do you think? I know we saw some in Lexington. <laughs> we'll be ready if, if we do, but uh, hopefully the weather holds off and we have a nice day for football. Early kick in Nashville, 11 a.m. Central Time on the SEC Network. It's the Florida Gators coming to town. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Great to be with you. So, Billy, what are you hearing on uh, A.J. Swan? Uh, well, George, I, I, I have heard some rumors, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to bring those up cause we don't know how true any of those are. Um, I just, he's questionable. I mean, that's what, that's the, that's the extent of what Clark Lee has said. Uh, George, I, I want to ask you this though, and I'd love to get Watson. Um, I don't know if we can get him on later in the week, but wh- do you ride with Mike, right? I mean, do you, do, do you ride with the hot hand? Do you give AJ a shot or do you just kind of shut him down and say, look, AJ, you know, you know, we, we want to try to keep you healthy, at least for the for the future and the years to come down the road. I think that's a tough decision. Uh, but, yeah, all we've heard right now, George, is, is questionable. And, uh, you know, it's kind of up in the air, at least right now. Well, help me with this. Swan's deal is a concussion, right? Yes. Okay, I think, first of all. I and think it's you, been two now. Right, and I think that is, for me, that's cause for concern. Yeah. Uh, it's easy to say, well, get him back out there, man. He's the future. You need him. But but there's also the component of this is a human being, mm-hmm. and you want to make sure that before you put him back out there that everybody has cleared properly, and I know that's what they'll do. Uh, Billy, I don't believe that just because they beat Kentucky that Mike Wright has solved his issue. His issue is, I don't think he is a Division I college thrower. I think he's definitely a Division I college quarterback running the football. There's no doubt about his running skills. Yeah, The throwing skills are still in question. And the two games that are coming up, Florida at home, Tennessee at home, they're not going to be able to just line up and expect to you know, have a 16-play you know, running the football drive and cram it down these people's throats. They're going to have to be able to throw, and and that's where you wish you did have Swan. Yeah, and I think it'd be different. Say we're, you know, we're a year ahead and Vanderbilt's sitting at, you know, five and six, fighting for a bowl game. Maybe Swan's banged up. You'd probably, you'd probably throw him in there, especially as a sophomore. But just with him being a freshman, and George, you, you added the human element in here. I mean, if you put him in there, he gets another concussion. Football may be right. out of his future. So, you know, I think I don't know that this is as serious as the Tua issue, of course, but um, I do think that that should be a discussion point here. I sure, mean, it's concerning that a young guy has to deal with. Yeah, this. I mean, that's South Carolina. Hit. Whoever you, it is, did you see that? George, where he got kind of slammed to the ground, it could have been called roughing the passer. I think yeah. kind of they they've called that in the NFL before, right. where it's that extra slam. Um, and he, I mean, it was neck. It looked it, it looked, the whole backside was slammed to the ground. So you know, it's hits like that where if that happens again, I mean, it's not good. But then again, you're playing in the SEC, uh, you're going to get beat up, especially for at Vandy. So I think that's something they got to. That's a line they got to kind of walk. Um, and obviously. You want your O-line to be able to protect your quarterback. 
but you also want to think about the health and safety of your your quarterback. Yeah, look, I think th- this is a guy that they view as a big piece of their future. And while they want to get him out there and get him more reps, now you've got this thing that sort of clouds it all. Yeah. Two concussions and help me, what, a month? Yeah. That's concerning. Yeah, and if this was an ankle or, you know, a shoulder, this would be different, you know, but this is a uh, a head issue, and the concussion issue has become more and more serious, and so this it's not anything light. It's not like, oh, you know, so what? Go throw him out there. Yeah, and by the um, way, thank goodness that it has, um, that it is now an important issue. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Years ago, I used to um, – you know, when I was your age, you would hear things like he got his bell rung mm-hmm. and everybody would laugh. It's you know, not a laughing matter. No, anymore. It, I mean, we've learned a lot more. We've come a long way, baby. Yeah. Um, so to speak in what we've learned mm-hmm. about concussions, it's serious stuff. Yeah. It used to be George. I remember a couple years back where, you know, the, the new targeting rule, that's probably three or four years back now, I guess. Um, but you know, when that was sort of instituted, you know, we, we saw a lot of uproar from a lot of traditionalists kind of fighting over the fact that, you know, this, this isn't football, you know, this, this is a different sport, but now the tune has sort of changed from a lot of people, I think, because you're seeing a lot of issues. Uh, I mean, the junior sayow situation, George, I mean, stuff like that. And then the Tua. So you've seen so many different examples, especially in the NFL. Well, we've learned about stuff like CTE, whether any of us can actually say the words, when you hear CTE, you know it's not good. No, no. So, yeah, Swan's questionable, George, but uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, he he could – it could be a situation where, where he starts, and but you also see Mike right in there. I mean, do the little two-quarterback system. And, I, I mean, I, I think that is an advantage for them heading into a game week. You know, if you come out and say Swan's starting – Florida can prepare for that. Um, so I think that's that's somewhat of an advantage for Vanderbilt. Okay, we'll go to the break on that. And when we come back, we'll get into a little bit of analysis of what does this win do for them? Uh, because it's an interesting question with a lot of maybe answers. So stick around. Watch me sort of say maybe. This is Main Street Media Television. For Dustin Timmons and Joey Donnelly, they welcome every opportunity to serve and satisfy their clients. Whether you are looking to build your dream home or renovate your current home, their team will ensure that every client and remodel is unique, luxurious, completed on time, and within budget. Contact them today to set an appointment for a free consultation or to view some of their completed projects by logging on to DonnellyTimmons.com. At 
at WellSkin Dermatology and Aesthetics. We pride ourselves in providing access, innovation, and a patient experience second to none. Access to care and treatment when you need it. Innovation with medical-led cosmetics and various on-site technologies for full-service treatments with a customer experience that is calming, casual, and effective. Independently owned, providing medical, surgical, pediatric, and cosmetic dermatology and more. Visit WellSkinMD.com to schedule your appointment today. WellSkin Dermatology and Aesthetics. Access to healthier skin. It's your last chance to get a spring tune-up for summer. Complete Service Heat and Air can clean your coils, check out your motor, and make sure you have cold air on that first hot day of summer. Complete Service Heat and Air is located in White Bluff, Tennessee. We do service and repair on heating and air the right way. 24-7 service. Call us at 615-797-3997. That's 615-797-3997. Serving Cheatham, Davidson, Dixon, Hickman, Humphreys, Montgomery, and Williamson counties. Have you heard about the high levels of radon in Middle Tennessee? Radon gas is the second leading cause of lung cancer, second only to smoking, and has no color, no taste, and no smell. The only way to know if you have radon is to test for it. Durad Radon Mitigation offers testing for small and large-scale residential and commercial properties plus mitigation services. Visit DuretRadonMitigation.com to request testing or get a free estimate for mitigation. That's DuretRadonMitigation.com. Since 1865, the First Baptist Church of Gallatin on Winchester Street has served its community by catering to the least, the last, and the lost, providing a church of welcome used by God to save the lost, transform the saved, and impact its community. As a proud multi-ethnic congregation, Pastor Derek Jackson personally welcomes you to join them in fellowship Sunday mornings at 8 in person or at 1045 in person or online at firstbaptistgallatin.org. First Baptist Gallatin on Winchester Street, serving with open arms as a true church of welcome. So let's get down to brass tacks. Vandy beat Kentucky over the weekend to snap a 26-game SEC losing streak. And you say, okay, what are the benefits of this win? Well, clearly one of them is simply getting that monkey off your back, this long in-conference losing streak. I think there's another one that starts to emerge a little bit, and that is – People negatively recruit. If you don't think that player X, who may be deciding between Kentucky and Vandy or Tennessee and Vandy or, I don't know, Auburn and Vandy, if you don't think that that kid doesn't hear, they don't ever win. Their facilities are the worst in the league. They have no fan base. 
Do you want to go through the kind of misery that the last three or four classes have gone through? Those are the kind of things that kids that Vandy is recruiting hear, and they hear it a ton. So kids sitting there as a high school junior going, well, they're right. They don't win. Their facilities aren't very good. They got a small fan base. And all of a sudden, this win throws a little bit of a, wait a minute, is something better starting to happen there? Now, we don't know one way or the other. We've been down this road before, but Billy, I would say what it does do is it opens up a little bit of, hmm, what's going on there? Yeah, George, I mean, I think it, it's huge for recruiting. That, that was the one of the first things I thought about after this game. I said, man, you, you can point to, if you're Clark Lee and, and the coaches on the staff now, you can point to something in your record, an SEC win, and say, look, we are moving in the right direction. We're, you know, we're headed on the, down the right path. If they were to have, you know, have this streak keep going on them this year, that would have been tough to recruit to. I mean, Watson talked about it. That's why he was talking about hoping and praying that they get off the schneid and to even get it on the road against the top 25 team. That's even better for Vanderbilt. I know, you know, you, you know, you lost to Missouri and South Carolina, but to get that monkey off your back in that way, I think was big, George. And so, you know, you look at it and you say, yeah, you're probably not going to beat Florida or Tennessee. Uh, maybe you compete with Florida, but to get to four, George, I think is huge. And they'll probably retain a few more recruits at this point, uh, as opposed to, you know, you finish three and nine, another winless SEC season. There may be some, some players questioning, are you guys really headed down the right path? Are the players on the team now fully bought in? Um, you know, it, it helps, George. I think it helps a lot. And, uh, you know, it was, it was just massive. I'm trying to take myself back to when I was 16, 17 years old, and you have the right to say, good Lord, George, nobody remembers that. <laughs> but what I think I remember as a sophomore or a junior at BGA was, number one, how am I going to not go to summer school? <laughs> that that was the first thing I thought of. But secondly, well, if if arguments got thrown up to me about you know, Nashville's the best SEC city. It is. Uh, if I got thrown the argument, great academics, mm -hmm. I'd have been sitting there going, oh, please. I've had two and a half years of misery. You're sick of hearing about academics. Get, yeah, trying to get through <laughs> uh, as not the most academically minded person going. And I, I, I think that's one of the things what they're trying to sell is great city, great academics. And there are a lot of 16, 17-year-olds who are sitting there going, I don't give a damn about either one of those. Yeah. I just want to play football. Yep. And so I think that's one of the things that they fight, that if you're honest with yourself and go back to when you were 16 or 17, even though that may have been before the Peloponnesian War, that you have to be honest and say, as a 16, 17-year-old, I wasn't all that interested. No. It, I mean, and these, Billy, these kids are more interested in, in what's your alternate jersey look like. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
that's a big priority apparently it's stupid but yeah. it is yeah and that's what clark has talked about george he's talked about you know this is a this is a football decision for for the recruits and for players that commit to us you know this is not an academic decision this is not a city of nashville decision you're committing to play football at vanderbilt that that's that's why you're going to vanderbilt but the added element to that is you do get to uh, have the opportunity to to study at you know one of the finest universities. You do get to play in the city of Nashville, and uh, you know what an opportunity for your family and friends to to come come into that city. So those are added elements, George. Well, That's not you know I, I think a little bit of of Mason. The message there might have you know gotten lost in you know this is an academic school, but now I think the difference is Deermeyer Lee. It's different now. I mean, th- this is a football decision. Obviously, George, there's so much more work to do. But I do think that sort of the overriding theme and, and you know, cause of what they're doing, that, that has shifted a little bit. Well, the recruits that they try to get are being pounded with these messages. Do you want four years of misery? Do you really believe they're going to turn it around when – there are, you know, in the last 60 years, maybe eight to 10 that have been fun. And do you really want to go through that when you can go to our school, you can get a good education and you don't have to deal with the misery. That's what they fight constantly. Yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that X school does it. Hell, I'm saying all of them do it. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the things they fight. And that's where I think the Kentucky win will at least put a little bit of a, whoa, wait a minute into it. And George, I think it helps that, you know, this wasn't some, you know, two point, three point victory at home against Missouri or South Carolina. This was a top 25 road win against a good opponent and a great coach. I mean, that I I will see you say that I don't believe that anymore. I think that's the Kentucky of September. The Kentucky of November are anywhere close to that. No, they're not. But on paper, you know, they were a top 25 team and and Mark Stoops has built something really good there. So I think on the surface, you know, if you're an outside outsider looking at that win, you say, you know, if you're not deep into the SEC culture and what's going on, you probably say, oh, it's a pretty good win. Now, if you're deep into Look, the circles of the win, SEC, any win for them in the conference is a good win, right? But it's not. I I, I do agree with Kentucky. You know, they're they're going downhill. Well, right I now. can't figure out what's going on there. Um, so let me let me throw a couple of things at you. You ready? I'm ready. So they play Florida this week, and I think it would behoove them to really play well at home. Their last two SEC games. Help me with this if I'm wrong. They really weren't very good against South Carolina. I was very disappointed in what I saw. Against Ole Miss, a really good first half and a stink-up-the-joint second half. Mm -hmm. It would behoove them in the ticket-selling and fan interest basis to really give Florida a run for their money. And earlier in the year, it seemed like that could happen. Here's what has gone on, though, in Florida. Listen to this. In the last two games, they have averaged 333 yards per game rushing. Yep. Where has that come from? I don't know, George. Richardson's really good. They got a couple really good running backs. 
they have found something on the ground. Now they can't really throw the ball, but they've got a couple Montrell Johnson and uh, Trevor Etienne. I know you're going to bring those guys up. Yeah. Travis's. Yeah. Travis Etienne's brother. I mean, they've just been running like madmen and running all over people. I know South Carolina isn't a world beater, but to put up uh, as many points as you did in yardage on the ground as you did against anyone is pretty impressive. So here would be what you would assume that Vandy is going to load the box against Florida and basically say, or try to dictate that, look, you're going to have to throw the football some, Mm -hmm. that's not a big strength of Florida's the defensive ends in that deal in whatever it is, they try to cram in there. Those guys have got to be ready for read option with Richardson. Yep. Because if everybody crashes and he fakes, boom. Yep. And so, that's what makes them so dangerous, George. When, when you've got those two running backs, but you've also got Richardson in that read option game, it's similar to what Vanderbilt is going to want to do. Because I, I would guess, George, we're going to have Mike Wright play on Saturday. That you know, that's that would be my guess. Yeah. And so this is going to be a battle of of uh, the running quarterbacks and the running games offensively. So. Uh, man, I, I I'm looking forward to it just to see, you know, how does do, can Vanderbilt keep it rolling? Was this Kentucky win a fluke? I mean, what you know, how, how real was this win, and how improved is Vanderbilt? So we'll see. That this is a hot Florida team, and Clark talked about the challenge. He also talked about the weather, uh, and we were talking about how cold it's going to be on Saturday. And uh, you know, I'm not afraid to say this on the air. Uh, Clark said, "Man, the colder the better for for Florida coming up here." So. <laughs> Uh, you know, that's, they're not used to that. No. And, uh, you know, we'll see if, if that ends up helping Vandy. They would not have enjoyed Lexington last Saturday. No, I don't know that anyone would have. I I don't even think Kentucky did. No. We'll go to the break. When we come back, it's stat of the day. And then Brent Zwerneman, who is the Houston Chronicles, Texas A&M beat writer. He is a terrific writer. Broke the story about a year and a half ago that Oklahoma and Texas were coming to the SEC and Greg Sankey and the SEC people were dumbfounded as to how he found out. Stay tuned. This is Main Street Media Television. A man was critically injured following a crash early Friday morning. Officers at the scene said the victim was driving a pickup truck when he lost control of the vehicle. The pickup veered left and went into a ditch. A front seat passenger was wearing a seatbelt and escaped the crash without injury. The driver was not wearing a seatbelt. He was ejected from the truck. He died at the scene. Law enforcement writes tickets to save lives. This holiday season, the largest lantern event in the country returns to Nashville Zoo. After sunset, come see more than 1,000 Chinese lanterns. All new designs including mythical beasts, a 
fantastical North Pole village, even a dragon soaring over your head. Welcome back to Zoo Illumination at Nashville Zoo. Bigger, brighter, and better than ever. When I made the decision to host the Plaster and Friends Celebrity Bowling Night, Strike and Spare is where I turned. And what a wise decision that turned out to be. They have five locations in our area with family attractions. They're perfect for birthdays, groups and corporate outings, and holiday parties. For more info, it's simple. Go to strikeandspare.com. Christmas for Kids is back at the Ryman this November 21st. Christmas for Kids provides children with shopping sprees, coats, and unforgettable experiences every year. This annual fundraising concert helps bring that experience to more kids. This year is hosted by Phil Vassar and includes Chris Young, the frontman, which is Richie McDonald, formerly of Lone Star, Larry Stewart of Restless Heart, Tim Rushlow, formerly of Little Texas, Essex County, and a whole lot more. Christmas for Kids, November 21st. To purchase tickets, go right now to Rhyme.com. Hit After Hit has become the baseball store in Tennessee. They have over 1,000 different models of gloves and over 1,500 wood bats. They also have several iron mic pitching machines as well as a hit tracks machine. If they don't have it, you probably don't need it. We're proud to call Hit After Hit the official shirt provider of the Plaster and Friends Celebrity Bowling Night. This is attorney Bart Durham, and this is me. I'm Aaliyah. Keeping in good physical condition is really important to me. But when I had a wreck with a tractor-trailer truck that hurt my legs so bad I couldn't work for almost a year, I knew I needed a lawyer that understood tractor-trailer cases. So I called Bart. Bart gets millions of dollars for his clients every year. At Bart Durham Injury Law, we've handled hundreds of tractor-trailer cases. My dad and I want to help. Give us a call at 615-242-9000. Hey, everyone. I'm John English. This is Keith Wallace. And we would like to welcome you to John English Antique Sports and Cards in Shelbyville, Tennessee. We specialize in graded and ungraded sports and non-sports cards, vintage wax boxes, and unopened cases. We have a large selection of PSA graded cards. We also specialize in old sports collectibles, baseball, football, football basketball, basketball, golf, and, golf tennis. and tennis. You can find it all at John English Antique Sports and Cards. We are happy to be associated with Nashville's greatest sports antique, George Plaster. Welcome back into the George Plaster Show. It is now time for Stat of the Day. It is powered by John English Antique Sports and Cards over in Shelbyville, Tennessee. They specialize in antique and historical sports equipment, games, advertising, and other sport-related items. You can find them in Shelbyville, of course. They're open Tuesdays through Fridays, noon to 5, and Saturdays from 10 a.m. 
to five. You can find them online at johnenglishgradedcards.com. Also, don't forget about Eric Berner with Rockcastle Wealth Advisors. You can give Eric a call at 615-490-7052 or visit rockcastlewealth.com for more information. And, uh, George, I'm having a little bit of trouble with getting uh, the stat of the day uh, up on the board here, so bear with me here as I as I try to get that thing back up here. Can you read it to me? Uh, yes. Uh, let me pull it up real quick, George. I okay. apologize. Uh, let's see. By here. the way, have you confirmed that I'm not getting inside info? <laughs> not yet. Uh, I need to. Yeah. I need to check with no. Michael on that. You just do that, <laughs> George. Uh, here's the question. Uh, this year, Michael Harris II and Spencer Strider finished first and second in Rookie of the Year voting. Who is the last pair of rookie teammates to accomplish this feat? Oh, gosh. I am thinking my first thought is it's a couple of Dodgers. And I'm thinking the first baseman, I'm thinking Mike Marshall and Greg Brock. And I don't know if that's right or not right, but that's what I'm going with. Okay, that's final answer, George? Yes, it is. Okay. Let's see what the answer is. It's Kimbrell and Freeman. Oh, no. In my own backyard. A couple of Braves guys for you, George. Were they really? Yeah. Last pair of rookie teammates. Wow. First and second in the rookie of the year voting. Okay. Were Good you question. Were you surprised by Harris winning it, George? No, absolutely no. not. No, I, it, was, I, it was either going to be him or Strider. Yeah, I didn't realize how good of a year Harris oh, had. Oh, he had an unbelievable year and clutch. That was the part that shocked a lot of people was he was really clutch. Anyway, enough of that. I know we got good things coming up. Yes, we do, George. And before we get to Brent's Werneman from the Houston Chronicle, we got to get to Middle Tennessee Bone & Joint. They are sponsoring this 5 o'clock hour. They combine state-of-the-art orthopedic service with a family atmosphere. Whether you have a sports injury, sprained ankle, or a major joint replacement, they have the staff training and equipment that you need to take care of any patient in any circumstance. Visit them on the web at mtbj.net for more information. Okay, as a lot of you know, I really like this guy. He is a terrific reporter and hit what I would consider a mother load 18 months ago when he broke that Texas OU story and crammed it right down the SEC media day's throat <laughs> in front of everybody. Let's bring him up here. Brent, of course, is Texas A&M's uh, – well, no, let me let me say that I, I <laughs> the wrong way. He is the Houston Chronicles Texas A&M beat writer, and he is sporting an oiler hat. Wow, I love it. George, that's what I grew up on, man. I, you know, my dad would take us to Astros games. We'd sit in the outfield and occasionally Rockets games. But Oilers games, those are too expensive and they're on TV. So I never actually went to an Oilers game in person. But of the three, anybody in Houston at that time, you know, as a kid back in the yeah. 70s and 80s, the Oilers were, were the team. So, yeah, I, I came across this, I think, in a Marshalls in Bryan, Texas, and I go, man, I got to oh, have that Oilers lid. So do you remember, to me, the greatest performance I'd ever seen on Monday night was Earl Campbell's thing against the Dolphins. You That's remember right. that? Absolutely. I was. I think that was 1978 or right yeah. around there. So I was, I was seven, but 
I watched it at my grandma. Well, I remember we were at my grandma and grandpa Sutton's house in Northeast Houston and the whole room, the whole den stood up and cheered for him, especially on that one where he carried about three or four dolphins down the field with him. So yeah, absolutely. I remember that great, great memories. And I, I try to tell my kids about the Oilers and I say, look, look at these cool uniforms and everything, but that's, that's the extent of it. You know, now, yeah. now they have the Texans, which aren't, aren't near as cool. What I remember of that night was he had a tearaway jersey and the thing just kept <laughs> ripping and and the Dolphins couldn't tackle him because he'd just break through the tearaway jersey. Yeah, it was just in tatters by the end and just hanging off and just adding to the coolness in, in this seven-year-old's mind. Okay, so tell me this. Since the last time I talked, what what have you done on Texas OU that maybe I don't know about that that our viewers might have some interest in? I, I I keep I keep thinking, you know, early on when that came through when I when I first covered AM uh, a decade ago moving to the SEC, I saw how fast everything picked up once it had become public. I thought the same thing was going to happen with this, but there's just too many complications from that was a much easier process with AM and Missouri. Cause at that one, at that point back in July of 2021, I was thinking, okay, this will surely happen by 2023. Yeah. Now, I mean, I still say 24, although, you know, they're, they're kind of sticking with that 2025 date, but in terms of that, uh, <laughs> I would say the, the Aggies want it to happen sooner, sooner rather than later. So maybe they could beat the Longhorns right now. Both both those teams kind of struggling. So uh, I would still think my gut feeling would say somehow, some way it happens by 2024, but uh, certainly no later than 2025. Brent, talk to me about the level of intensity right now at AM because they they take football really serious. They've paid Jimbo a wad of money, and I know they're not happy. It is ratcheted up as high as – and I've covered the Aggies since 1995. So that's R.C. Slocum, Dennis Franchoni, uh, Mike Sherman, Kevin Sumlin, Jimbo Fisher. It's as high as it's ever been on that front in terms of the intensity, George, mainly because of what you mentioned, the, the paycheck and the contract. People say, how can they have extended Jimbo after an eight and four season? It wasn't after an eight and four season. It was after nine and one, number four in the nation, their highest finish since 1939, winning the national title. LSU, Scott Woodward, the AD over there, had made every overture toward taking Jimbo. You know, Jimbo had been at OC under Nick Saban at LSU and bringing him back to Baton Rouge. And so that's where the extension came from. Now it looks foolish, of course, because he still has nine years left at over 9 million. So the buyouts are right around 86 million right now. In other words, uh, going back to Texas OU, it would be less for OU or Texas to pay to get out of the big 12 early than it would be for Texas A&M to pay off Jimbo Fisher. So the anxiety is high. I don't think Jimbo, uh, George, I think we mentioned this last time we visited. I don't think Jim, Jimbo helped himself with calling out Nick Saban and having so much swagger and bravado and, we're not going anywhere and talking to Texas A&M. And I know he had the number one recruiting class, but when you do that, and as I wrote over the summer, you better be ready to back it up. And they have not come close to backing it up at, at this point. And uh, my thought is what's going to happen is he, he's been the primary play caller, just like he was at Florida state. That's going to change. 
they're one of the worst offenses in the nation. I think they're 108th nationally right now in either scoring offense or total offense, just uh, unacceptable. And, and especially with the amount of talent on offense that he's brought in. So they're going to go find a true offensive coordinator and let Jimbo handle the, um, the bigger picture things. I'll put it that way because he has shown obviously to be a good recruiter. Yeah. So, okay. This is going to be dumb, but here goes. I've known Ross Bjork for years, going back to his Western Kentucky days. If he assembled a group of what I'll call little J.R. Ewing wannabes <laughs> and said, look, I've had enough. I'm ready to buy him out. Have have they got that kind of money? They do, but I don't think they're going in that direction right now because thinking back to less than two years ago, right now, this month, AM was right on the cusp of the college football playoff. And right. Brian Kelly, Notre Dame, ultimately was chosen by the committee, which is interesting because Brian Kelly is kind of the model they're using when he went four and eight in 2016 and revamped everything and got Notre Dame back on the right path. So I don't see that happening. I think they're going to give Jimbo a chance to try to get it right. I don't, I think their thought is that money could be spent better elsewhere, maybe NIL along those lines, as opposed to just paying one guy to go away. I don't think that's going to happen yet, but I have been wrong before as well. Uh, I just don't see the national debt. Yeah. 86 million. That's, that's unheard of. I remember it was just what, five years ago, some Aggies were like, wow, we're paying Kevin someone, whatever it was, 12 million to go away. My goodness gracious. (laughs) I don't, I just don't see that with 86 million. Okay, let me try this one on you. The rumor in coaching circles, and it's been out there for the last four to six weeks, is that when West Virginia finally shows Neil Brown the door, that Jimbo, not liking the heat he's catching, would like to go back to where he kind of grew up at West Virginia. Do you think that rumor has any validity? He, he did. I wish I could cite who the source was or the interviewer was. I believe it was a television station out of West Virginia that said, Coach, are you, are you going to come home at some point? You know, kind of like Bear Bryant. But he heard Mama calling, right? And <laughs> Fisher responded, I think, as, as one should in that situation. If someone's talking about your hometown or your home state, he said, you never say never. I think that was over the summer. I didn't put much stock in that. I figure that's the answer that anybody from their home state would say at that point, because, and also it's true. Things can go south in a hurry or things can change. And next thing you know, it might be nice to come home. I have not heard that specifically. Uh, I I think he's going to be at Texas A&M next year. That's my impression right now. Uh, could he end up at West Virginia at some point? Very possibly. I mean, I think that's probably the program he grew up on, obviously being in that state and so forth. But I don't think it's anything imminent. I I just don't see that. I will say, if you're in at West Virginia now, maybe that path to the college football playoff is maybe a little easier than, than it would be at A&M moving forward. Um, I guess that's up for debate as well. But uh, – you know, if he's thinking in those terms, because obviously he took Florida State to the final BCS title game in 2013, was part of the first college football playoff 2014 in the semifinals. So maybe he he considers it from that perspective. But 
my impression of him from the very beginning was that he was very driven at A&M to show that he could do it with this sleeping giant. He could uh, awaken this program that hasn't won a national title since 1939 that has all these resources and fanatical Aggies, 100,000 people in the stands, win or lose, you know, every week. It's, it's crazy to see. And that he was very driven to do that and be out of the shadow of Bobby Bowden and say he could do it elsewhere. We'll have to remain to see it. it it's been a, it's been a weird past year. I'll put it that way. Starting with, uh, well, no, I shouldn't say starting with George, but mainly the, maybe the highlight of that or low light was the calling out Nick Saban with the weird press conference that he threw together and, and just ranted for 10 minutes. And <laughs> even when that was going on, I was sitting there thinking that, think he might end up regretting this. And I would say that that's probably pretty accurate at this point. So let me throw out another dumb hypothetical because it's obvious quarterback is a huge problem there. And it has been now for a couple of years. And we now live in a world where if you really aren't sure you've got one, you're screwed. So let's just throw one out there. If you could take Jaden Daniels from LSU and plop him into A&M, would all their problems be fixed? Not even close. Uh, but I will say that I I do think, you know, they had one of the top prospects in the nation sign last year, Connor Wegman, uh, who's his now been thrown into the fire after Max Johnson. I thought Max Johnson looked okay. He was doing okay. Broke his hand. Haynes King has really kind of struggled throughout, but has, you know, a, a big heart and played hard against Alabama and almost led the Aggies to an upset victory at Alabama. But in terms of saying, okay, you throw in a, a Jaden Daniels who can who can do the things he does. No, this offense uh, needs way more help than just a single standout quarterback. The offensive line has been the worst that I've seen in a quarter century of covering this program, which also means that Steve Adazio, the first-year offensive line coach, will probably be out the door, I would guess, uh, at the end of the year. He's also had some health problems from what I understand. It's it's up and down. They've had suspensions. One, they had a five-star receiver, Chris Marshall, who has been indefinitely suspended. So the issues go much bigger than quarterback. But I will say the five-star, Connor Wigman, has shown some flashes that he can be that guy moving forward with the idea that he is still just a true freshman trying to yeah, play in the SEC West. Good Ole Miss. What's that? He yeah, he did. It, that was his first start, you know, yeah. at home. And, they, of course, the Aggies end up losing 31-28 because they gave up <laughs> whatever it was, like 400 <laughs> yards rushing to, to the Rebels. So, uh, otherwise, he would have had a win. He he really struggled, um, you know, last week at Auburn and so forth. But you, you, you say that, man, that's part of the learning curve. Quarterback, uh, it's way bigger than – and I know he had Jameis Winston, and I think Jameis really helped him out to kind of – carve out that reputation. And I know they won around him as well, the years surrounding Jameis Winston, but he got him over the top. Connor Wigman is a very talented guy, but it's going to take a whole lot more than him right now for the Aggies to get it together, to even be in that conversation in, in the next couple of years. I got one last thing for you before maybe we get to John McClain and, and Mattress Mac. <laughs> right. But, uh, seriously, Kyle Field, when you watch it on television, it's just amazing. I've never done a game there, but I can tell, man, it is, it's a hopping place. And you see the Friday night pep rallies and, and, and you see all this stuff. Has there been any erosion 
because of this? George, I think the only erosion will be uh, Massachusetts at 11 a.m. this Saturday. <laughs> uh, uh, based on the idea that, okay, here's the non-conference game and they're one and six and right. play. But it's, it is incredible. It is incredible. When, when they had lost however many in a row with Ole Miss coming into town, the Astros were playing that night in the World Series 100 miles away in Houston. I was sitting there thinking, okay, this place holds 102,000. Man, it might have 75 in it, you know, or and, and people are going to be detached thinking about a, a winner in the Houston Astros and, and not this team that's been losing all these games under this high-priced coach. That place was packed. It was raucous. It was crazy. It was a, a, a great atmosphere. George, I wrote, when I first in my early decades, I'll put it that way, of covering the Aggies, <laughs> uh, the, it was freestanding stands on each side. And when they would sway with the war hymn, you would hear things cracking. And I, and I, I didn't like it at all. It, you know, as my dad, who's in the military said, Hey, when we marched across bridges, you fall out of step because you don't beat them like that. And he went to one game at AM. He goes, that's it for me. I'm good. <laughs> you know, cause he did not like the swing of the stand. Well, yeah. AM was very smart when they rebuilt the stadium. And there were a couple of guys who were behind this of making sure they tied the whole thing together, all four sides together. So it doesn't move near as much because that swaying, as they saw it say, song varsity's horns off, it's really something to see. Opposing players have told me they purposely do not look up in the stands because it can make them woozy if they're looking up there and seeing this sway going on during the game. So, yes, they're a passionate fan base. And Aggies, I've seen it ask a lot here in the last month or so of, what are we doing wrong? Talking about AM fans, what are we doing wrong here to not have a competitive team? And I'm sitting there thinking, man, it's not y'all. Y'all are y'all are certainly doing your part. Oh, amazing stuff. <laughs> um, so let, let me let me confirm this before we leave. Mattress Mac has not offered to hire you. He has not. He is not. That is uh, so people who don't know where I'm going with this. My my longtime comrade in arms, John McLean, is am I right leading up a sports website for him? That is, yeah, Mattress Mac. And and I talked about growing up on the Houston Oilers. I also grew up on Mattress Mac in Houston. And he had this little furniture place on the north side and saves you money. And and uh so I've kind of grown up on the Oilers. Um John McLean and Mattress Mac. Yeah. Those, are, those are a big three. And, and so John in his retirement, I believe, is is writing uh, for Mattress Mac. Jim Mackinvels, who uh, had a very colorful outburst at the World Series, and then Houston fans rallied around that as well. Uh, he, he is helping write for his website. Sure Brent, is. you are the best. I appreciate <laughs> your uh, willingness to come on, put up with all my mess. Thank you as always. I enjoy it. I, I, I enjoy the old school stories, George, as, as you know, as we know from, from uh, our previous visits. Hey, we've got a few, don't we? That's right. Thank you. See you soon. You bet. See you. That's one good writer right there, Brent Zwerneman from the Houston Chronicle. He is Texas A&M's uh, beat writer for the paper, and he is one terrific writer. This guy knows exactly what he's talking about. So does Watson Brown. We'll get his opinions on the Titans and the Green Bay Packers. The tale of the tape is coming up next on Main Street Media Television.
Buying or selling a home can be a very personal experience. Why not go with the team that receives nearly all of their business from referrals? Clearly a trusted name in real estate. The Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners has sold more than 500 homes in the last seven years. Voted best in Sumner County multiple times. Proven to be trusted with your most personal assets. Call the Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners at 615-906-8458. The Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners. Middle Tennessee's most trusted team in realty. I highly recommend Sumner Funeral and Cremation because of their caring nature and attentiveness to detail. Pre-planning your funeral now will bring you peace of mind and less stress to your loved ones. When the chaos of losing you happens, your family can honor and celebrate your life, knowing things are happening just as you wanted them to. Pre-planning determines the details of your funeral, cemetery services, and can be less expensive. We are honored to serve you and are always here for you in your time of need. Sumner Funeral and Cremation. Traditional. Affordable. Dignified. SumnerFuneral.com. Jody Jones Dentistry can handle all your dental needs from the basics to cosmetic procedures. All of this in the nicest dental facility I have ever seen. Jody has done it right. They're located conveniently at 55 Music Square East and for an appointment, it's simple. Dial 615-259-5100 and tell them Plaz sent you. When you're thinking about golf, consider Riverside Golf Links. Under new ownership, the course has improved dramatically. It's now 27 holes, complemented by a nine-hole executive course. Book a tee time now at 615-847-5074 and get ready to enjoy the beauty of golf in the old Hickory area at Riverside Golf Links. I'm Bart Durham. I was sworn in as a lawyer in 1963, and I've been working as a lawyer since then. We're a firm that does exclusively personal injury, a lot of tractor-trailer crashes. Insurance companies will open up their checkbooks when you force them to. We have systems that work. We get the most money for our clients in the shortest amount of time. I'm Blair Durham. My dad and I want to help. Give us a call at 615-242-9000. This is Eric Barner with Rock Hassle Wealth Advisors. I help people in the pursuit of making their money live as long as they do. People hire me because I use a customized, individualized, and personal approach for the person I'm working with. Everyone's situation is different. If you've lost a spouse or a parent and want to make sure your inheritance is utilized and does not just disappear, I can help with that. Call me at 615-235-1058 or email Eric at rockcastlewealth.com. Most of you know the Titans and the Green Bay Packers go at it tomorrow night at Lambeau Field. Watson Brown joins us for a little bit of a tale of the tape. Watson, I've been to Lambeau, and I've got to tell you, it was one of the bucket list places that I ever wanted to go. That and that and Arrowhead in Kansas City were two that I got a chance to travel to for games. It, oh, I was, uh, I was in hog heaven. No, I've got to go 
I've got somehow, some way, I don't know how I'm going to get there now, but I'm with you. And I bet you caught your breath when you just walked around the place, didn't it? Oh, yeah. You know what was weird? You remember Kevin Carter, the former Florida Gator. Mm -hmm. So Kevin and I were riding in the same bus. It was a Titans preseason game, and he knew that I had never been there before, and he knew I was really excited about it. He was like, George, you won't believe it. He said, it's in the middle of a residential neighborhood. And we get to Green Bay, and I'm like, where? Oh, my God, there it is. And it's in a neighborhood. It's so weird. Those videos after seasons were over and Coach Lombardi would leave the stadium and go into his basement of his house with his buddies there. You remember all those we used to oh, watch, sure. George. And I don't know. It's just it's nostalgic, man. I, would you not say in the NFL, would that not be the stadium that, if you're going to go see one, would that not be the one you would say that's it? Oh, to me it is. I mean, me I've been too. to I've been to old Soldier Field before it turned into a spaceship, and I enjoyed seeing it. But there was nothing quite like Lambeau. No, no. And I got to go to Yankee Stadium when I used to watch the Giants play all the time on TV in the early years. But it was baseball when I saw Yankee Stadium, so I never saw it laid out as a football field. football field. Yeah. yeah. So Titans and the Packers go at it. Let's sort of do the tail of the tape and Watson, even though you have the check Mark, uh, for the Titans in the running game, it's a lot closer than people would think. Oh no. I've I, that check Mark ought to be way over here in the middle. Honestly, I'm not sure that they are favored after last week. We didn't run the ball very well. And the Packers have had a, quite a few 200-yard rushing games and have two really good backs. So I'll leave it as a check there, George, but I I nearly put it 50-50. The check would be barely in the in the middle toward, toward the Titans. Watson, the, the passing game, all you have to do is say Aaron Rodgers, and of course it's going to go in that column. But Matt LaFleur is trying to run the ball a lot more and I believe the blow-up you saw at the end of the game against Dallas, I think it's going to happen again. I just don't see Aaron Rodgers enjoying just handing the ball off. No, and and uh, I think the check goes there, but they haven't been great either. Last week was really the breakout game for them throwing the ball, getting some receivers to start making big plays. And uh, it's more of our passing game has just not been very good, George, so – Neither one of these teams have passed the ball very well. And amazing to say that with Aaron Rodgers, but it's true. And um, but the but we have struggled with the passing game so much uh, that we now get all excited when we make a first down throwing it. I mean, it's it's gotten to that. I hope it keeps getting better. Our tight ends are coming on a little bit now. Uh, Westbrook Aquina had a good game. Maybe maybe they can add to that with him, uh, but. Aaron Rodgers alone, you can't mark passing game Titans on that one. And I think that's pretty, pretty strong Green Bay. Watson, the defensive check mark has to go to the Titans. Do you think they're getting better as it goes along? Because certainly nobody's running on them at all. No, the the run game has been that all year. Nobody, nobody has. And that's the way you beat Green Bay. Uh, a lot of their passing game 
to what I think Aaron Rodgers doesn't care for comes off of the running game. And when you can't get the running game going, those passes aren't very good. We struggle with that ourselves. When we can't get the running game going, our passing game doesn't isn't very good. But our run defense and our pass rush in third downs has just been our defensive front. Our linebackers have played solid, but that front four has just been and deep. Uh, it's been fantastic. It will need to be. Uh, I, I'd like to think Simmons is back this week, but he may not be with a short week. But even when he wasn't, but we have not played great offenses, George, all year. Kansas City was the best. It looked like we kind of held them, but yet they had 29 first downs and 499 yards of offense. They just didn't score sometimes the way they have. So I'm still not sure how good we are when we run up against a real good offense. This offense, though, is not real good. So I think it's a checkmark strong Titans defense. Watson, on Monday's show, you called uh, Titans punter Ryan Stonehouse the MVP of the team. And the more I got to thinking about it, you know, not only right close to MVP, whether it's him or Derrick Henry, but also incredibly underrated. Very few people have brought this point to the table that this guy is forcing teams to go 80 and 90 because he's so good. George, go back and look at every game. We don't make a first down, balls at the 30. We make five yards, fourth and five after a kickoff. And they're inside the 10 when they get it. The other thing that really sticks out to me is when you get in a punting game like we got into the other day, especially in the first half, we punt, they punt, we punt, they punt. We were gaining 10 yards a punt when we were punting the ball. So while we're punting it back and forth, we're still gaining field position. It's unbelievable what he's been. He kicked off the other day when Bullock couldn't kick off and kicked it in the end zone. Amazing. <laughs> so, amazing. Bullock makes it a little nervous for us with him a little bit injured, uh, but I still punter and the way it, you can't play the Titan style without field position. You've got to have field position to play the Titan style. And that man gives it to us, whether we gain it offensively or not, he gets it for us. Check Mark Titans special teams. Okay. Obviously the check Mark for home team goes to the Packers at Lambeau field. Let's talk about the intangibles here because you, you bring up, Lambeau Field, and certainly it's one of the better home advantages in the NFL. That coupled with a short week. Watson, talk to me about, I mean, you know this better than anybody. If if you have to play on a Thursday, having played on a Sunday, take me through the things you would have to do that aren't normal. George, it's completely different. First of all, to me, you don't put a pad on that week. You just, you can't. The kids are still too sore. They're still a little tired. We did Saturday to Wednesday and Saturday to Thursday some, which they're doing Sunday to Thursday. And so you, you just, it's a different week for everybody. It's a different mindset. But I've always thought major advantage home team on those short weeks because you're losing a day traveling. So you're traveling on Wednesday when you're playing on Thursday, you had, it really cuts another day of practice out for you, at least some form of a 
shorts type thing that you might do uh, where normally you do nothing on the day before a game, but when it's a short week, you do. You do something the day before the game. And uh, so I always give home team the advantage as an intangible in a short week. So being in, in, at uh, Lambeau and a short week, and the third intangible to me that we couldn't write up there is Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, we didn't miss him last week because the Broncos had the same problem we did. They got so many offensive linemen out. It didn't show. But against a better team and he doesn't play, I'm anxious to see how we hold up up front so I'm really anxious to see if he plays or not in this game. I just got a feeling he may show up in this game. <laughs> he's one of those kind of kids. He's just yeah. one of those kind of kids, man. I think it would be hard to keep him out of Lambeau Field. Okay, let's check where you think this is going to end up. Give me just a second, George. Okay, and uh, we'll, we'll get to Watson's final score, which I think is going to surprise some yeah, of probably you. probably will. Um. So as we stall here for a second, let me say this, Watson, we stayed in a place called Appleton. Um, that was where the team stayed back then. And, and I remember the restaurant being almost a Green Bay Packers shrine. I bet that's uh, right. Yeah. That, that's, that's another cool piece of that trip. Okay. Am I now? Well, there it is. So you think the Titans win? I I think physicality of running the ball when Green Bay's not a great run stop team, and we get their run under control every game they've won. I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. Uh, somebody might check me on it, but I think every game they've won, they've rushed for 200 yards in. And if that's the case, ain't nobody rushed for 200 yards against us. I don't think this team can. I think the Titans are going to win the game in a close one. And I think we'll get after Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron has had a history of if he can't get out of the pocket, sometimes he'll let it go and it might get tipped or whatever. He's, he'll try to throw it in these small holes. And uh, we just might get us a couple away from him. But I think the running game, stopping their running game, will be the difference in the game. Watson? Uh, you behave until next week. We'll look forward to Monday when you return. Until then, safe travels. Thank you, George. Looking forward to seeing our son and, and getting to hug them all just a little bit. But I'll see you back on Monday. Sounds good. And stay tuned. We'll have plaster bed of the day when we come back. This is Main Street Media Television. Uh, not so fast there, George. <laughs> Did you like that? Uh, you said you'd have some fun with it. Oh, absolutely. Brian Stewart will be at Lambeau tomorrow night, and I'll admit I'm jealous. Me too. Uh, except I heard that game time temperature would be about 15 degrees. And, Brian, I'm going back to the Bengals-Titans playoff game mm. that I sat out in that may be the coldest I've ever experienced. Uh, you're pretty pumped, aren't you? Oh. <laughs> George, I, honestly, I don't even know why I'm even sitting here right now. <laughs> I felt like I could have took off running to Green Bay today, man. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, we talked about it before. Lambeau is it's where it all started. I mean, the frozen tundra, the, the, the NFL films, that's what I remember as a kid. 
that wonderful music from NFL films. Oh, dun, 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 dun. You know, yeah. I'm just, I, I'll, I, this is, this is what I've been waiting for, for a long time. And it, you know, for the Titans to be not only going up there and playing, but also to have a, a, a really good chance to win this game. And, you know, uh, as they always say, shock the world. I don't think there's any shock there. I think if just like you and Watson were talking about, I think if they play to the level that they played with Kansas City, with the physicality, uh, setting the tone in the trenches up front with a, with a D-line and the O-line, I, I think they can win this game very easily. Uh, I don't think Green Bay is ready to get punched in the mouth. So if Jeffrey Simmons comes in, and he plays, you know he's ready to punch some people in the mouth. So yeah, ter- Terry was reporting earlier today that he thinks that's a real possibility. What what are you hearing weather-wise up there? 15 degrees uh, <laughs> and 50, 50% chance for snow. Oh, listen, be I honest, have it any you'd other like way. to see some snow, wouldn't you? Oh, that, I, I'm telling you, I, I want this to be – I, I, I think if you leave there with all 10 of your toes and all 10 of your fingers, it was not a Lambo experience. So, <laughs> wow. you know, I, I think, I, I think you have to go up there knowing that it, it's time to get cold. It's time to cheer our team on. And George, like I said, I'm sitting two rows behind on the 50 yard line, two oh, rows God. behind the Titans bench. You get, <laughs> I can't even tell you how jacked I am. I feel like that kid on the Talladega Nights. I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew. I'm ready to go, man. <laughs> By the way, don't you have like a real estate company? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we can talk about real estate. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least tell them the name of it. Yes, One Stop Realty and Auction. Uh, I-, I want you guys to know that we have our fir- first auction coming up Saturday. So, Yes, whenever I come back from Green Bay Friday night with nine of my toes intact, uh, I do plan on being at that auction Saturday morning, bright and early, uh, up in Jolton. So if you guys haven't heard, this house is going to be a a fantastic auction. It is a large three-level home on two acres. Uh, We will be auctioning off personal property starting at 9 o'clock, auctioning off the house at 12, and it's somewhere in between there. We will be auctioning off a Honda Civic that does not run, but it has a clean title. So there, there's plenty of opportunity for everybody to get up there and find something. Uh, we are so excited about this. Uh, I, honestly, this is the only thing I'm more excited about than getting up there and cheering our Titans on in Lambeau. Hey, safe travels, my friend. You're going to have a blast. Uh, we'll we'll see if we can in, hook up with you tomorrow. If not, just give us sort of the memories on Friday. Yeah, I'm going to try my best. Uh, you know, there, I, I'm sure there's going to be some type of adult beverage involved at some point tomorrow. Um, you know, I'm and probably, a, yeah, a, probably a brat or something. You know, I, I'm yeah. sure the boy, the the Green Bay crowd will feed me up there. Um, but yes, I would love to check in and kind of give y'all the atmosphere of the uh, the parking lot and maybe some of the game and everything else. I, I, I wish that I could take everybody with me, but I'm going to try my best to at least show y'all some of the atmosphere anyway. Brian, what I'll do is reach out to you around two thirty, three o'clock, see if we can make it happen. That sounds great. George, Billy, y'all stay warm. I'm sure as hell not, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. See you, Brian. See you, Brian. See you guys. 
We'll go to the break and then plaster bet of the day. We're on a one game winning streak. Boom. Isn't that pathetic? <laughs> one game winning streak. Nothing to be proud of. <laughs> Baseball store in Tennessee. They have over 1,000 different models of gloves and over 1,500 wood bats. They also have several Iron Mike pitching machines as well as a Hit Tracks machine. If they don't have it, you probably don't need it. We're proud to call Hit After Hit the official shirt provider of the Plaster and Friends Celebrity Bowling Night. Christmas for Kids is back at the Ryman this November 21st. Christmas for Kids provides children with shopping sprees, coats, and unforgettable experiences every year. This annual fundraising concert helps bring that experience to more kids. This year is hosted by Phil Vassar and includes Chris Young, the frontman, which is Richie McDonald, formerly of Lone Star, Larry Stewart of Restless Heart, Tim Rushlow, formerly of Little Texas, Essex County, and a whole lot more. Christmas for Kids, November 21st. To purchase tickets, go right now to Ryan.com. A man was critically injured following a crash early Friday morning. Officers at the scene said the victim was driving a pickup truck when he lost control of the vehicle. The pickup veered left and went into a ditch. A front seat passenger was wearing a seatbelt and escaped the crash without injury. The driver was not wearing a seatbelt and was ejected from the truck. He died at the scene. Law enforcement writes tickets to save lives. This holiday season, the largest lantern event in the country returns to Nashville Zoo. After sunset, come see more than 1,000 Chinese lanterns. All new designs, including mythical beasts, a fantastical North Pole village, even a dragon soaring over your head. Welcome back to Zoo Illumination at Nashville Zoo. Bigger, brighter, and better than ever. When I made the decision to host the Plaster and Friends Celebrity Bowling Night, Strike and Spare is where I turned. And what a wise decision that turned out to be. They have five locations in our area with family attractions. They're perfect for birthdays, groups and corporate outings, and holiday parties. For more info, it's simple. Go to strikeandspare.com.
Welcome back into the George Plaster Show as we round out this 5 o'clock hour with Plaster's Bet of the Day. It is brought to you by Bart Durham Injury Law. Since 1975, they have protected the rights of a broad range of victims of car accidents and personal injury in both Tennessee and Kentucky. If you, too, have seen your life interrupted by an injury on a highway, in a hospital, at your workplace, or on unsafe property, let their attorneys do the work fighting for the full financial compensation that you need. Learn more about Bart Durham Injury Law by logging onto their website. That's bartdurham.com. Okay, George, let's check your result from last night. Let's Ohio do. got the win. Big time win in a crazy game. Uh, the, the, both matching games were crazy for that matter. Uh, I didn't see it. What When you say it was crazy, what did happen? Well, I, I mean, it was a back-and-forth game, and I think Ohio scored late uh, to uh, to go up in that one. Um, I just remember seeing some crazy uh, some crazy clips on Twitter. Um, so I, I think that was a back-and-forth game. But, uh, but, George, you get the win with Ohio. You're 71-74. and 48.9%. Wow. We're getting there. Yeah. Slowly but surely. Yeah, we've been saying that now for a while. So, Billy, it's simple tonight. What it's, do you got? It's Mac. You're, you're just riding the Mac, aren't you? Darn right. And I've got three letters to give you. N-I-U. Mm. Northern Illinois is home tonight against Miami of Ohio. Now, the trick here is Miami, Ohio's got a lot of incentive because a win tonight would make them, I believe, bowl eligible. Yes. But I think NIU's pretty good, at least in the MAC. <laughs> and they play in that dump, and it'll be cold, and there won't be a lot of fans there. No, there and are plenty of available seats. <laughs> sections will be available. Sections available. NIU, baby. That's so what we're doing. Ryan with NIU. Yeah. Okay, we'll see how that goes, George. Okay, tomorrow on the show, Mark McGee will join us. Um, we did not have Mark on a week ago. His father passed away about a week ago, and certainly our thoughts and prayers are with Mark's family. But he will rejoin us tomorrow, and the Preds have got the Islanders at home tomorrow night, and they're on a two-game winning streak, and they are playing better hockey. That's encouraging. And then during the 5 o'clock hour, we'll have underdog picks. Willie and Darren, in some form or fashion, we got to figure out how Watson gets with us. And we'll have some reports from Lambeau Field. Brian Stewart will be our reporter on site. That's going to be a lot of fun. Hope you'll join us. Until then, good night, everybody.